everybody. Welcome to the next edition of Volley. Seth, my friend, are you out there? Here I am. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Looking forward to the weekend as usual. Uh, yes. Yep. It's been, been a, kind of a slow week. Not as much news churning out here, but we've got the uh, Apple event next week. Probably get new MacBook announcements. I know you're probably as excited for that as I am. <laughs> you know me and MacBooks. Very excited. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, it was a bit of a slow news week, but um, but I think you know we're ent- we're we're getting deep into the uh, conference season. I think in late October, early November, so there'll be uh, lots going on, I'm sure. Definitely. Yeah, but we've got an exciting guest today, um, our colleague Annette Tabor, who is the VP of Industry Strategies for us here at CompTIA, and she does a ton of work. Um, bridging the gap between the industry and what we here at CompTIA do in terms of um, the initiatives and projects that we're trying to put forward. And Annette has just wrapped up um, a big meeting in Kansas City um, that included a lot of strategic planning. So we're real eager to talk to her about what some of the things are, um, are going on in her world. So I'd like to welcome you, Annette. We're so excited to have you. Thanks so much. I mean, I really appreciate the opportunity. It's uh, it's fun working with you guys, and I, I know this will be uh, exciting to to share a little bit about what we're doing and uh, kind of where we're headed. Yeah, it's definitely an exciting time. So, you know, um, I'll, I'll let you start wherever you'd like, but um, why don't you give a little sense of what your role is, and then we can talk about um, some of the things that uh, the councils are doing, and in particular what some of maybe the key things that came out of the most recent meeting, since that will be top of mind, I'm sure. Sure, absolutely. Um, well, I've been with CompTIA since 2010 and really spent the last five, six years working to build industry advisory councils for CompTIA. Ironically, starting in 2012, we started with the Vendor Advisory Council and the Partner Advisory Council. In 2013, we added the Telecom Advisory Council, which we've since integrated into the other councils, and I'll explain that in a minute. Uh, in 2014, we added the end user commission, so we got the end user's voice. Uh, we had a lot of really great representatives on that group in 2015. Uh, last year, we created the distributor advisory council. We have 15 channel executives from the top distributors across the nation. And then this year, uh, we are embarking on creating our sixth advisory council for CompTIA, and that is our Business Applications Advisory Council, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in, in a minute. So the councils, the role of the councils is to provide guidance and thought leadership, not only to our staff, our board of directors, our executive team, but more importantly, to the industry as a whole. And so uh, over the years, we've developed a lot of content. We've built a lot of educational curriculum, in particular the CAM training. That's our number one training curriculum that we have at CompTIA uh, was developed by the Vendor and Partner Council. So we do a lot of stuff like that. But in the last year, we have transitioned, and you'll see this also in CompTIA's kind of high-level goals for 2017 is that we have changed from ECAP being our strategy, uh, which is education, certification, advocacy, and philanthropy, to NETCAP, which is networking, education, thought leadership, 
certification, advocacy, and philanthropy. So we added networking and thought leadership. And so we have helped drive that change. This past year, our councils got away from building tools and resources into doing more thought leadership and packaging that up in videos, short snippets that can be pushed out and shared with the industry. So I'm really excited about that transition. And uh, so that's kind of at a high level what we've been doing. The first of our video series uh, is just now coming out. Uh, we had one, uh, we have multiple different formats. We have a quick takes format, we have a video series format, and we're looking at adding a third, which will be a day in the life format. But basically, uh, the quick takes is maybe a three minute video on a particular topic, very specific. In the, in the case of our first one, we did one on, um, you know, just writing uh, re requests for proposals and, and the challenges with that. And then the video series that we'll be launching is called Hybrid Bar, and it focuses in four key areas of the transition process that solution providers are going through as they transition from on-prem to recurring revenue, cloud-based solution selling. And we'll talk a lot more about that, I'm sure. So I'll, I'll just kind of pause here just to say, hey, that's what we do. It's so much fun. I think I have the best job at CompTIA, and I'm looking forward to the new year. So Annette, keeping it at a high level, I think it's really interesting the way you describe the changes in the different councils that you've had. Last time we recorded, Carolyn and I were just talking about the IT industry in general and the way that some of that is changing. And I think that's what we've tried to reflect. And I think we're also kind of trying to move in a direction of being really representative of the industry and not just the IT channel that's doing the delivery. Uh, and so some of that I think has popped up in, you know, the telecom council as we've tried to get our arms around that and then maybe figured out a different way to do that. And then in your end user commission and the, the new council, the business applications that you're starting. Um, so before we talk about the details of uh, what you're doing these days, can you talk a little bit about the way you guys are seeing the industry and what you're trying to do to include parts that maybe we haven't included in the past? Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, we all know that there's a lot of dynamic change happening out there, and CompTIA, as the industry's trade association, must be ahead of the game when it comes to the technologies, the business models, the routes to market, the way people buy. And last year, our focus was on the business relevance of technology. And that's when we decided to add the end user commission because let's face it, the way people purchase today is not like they used to. End users are much more tech savvy, so we had to understand the dynamics that were happening within their companies. The line of business buyer that is coming out in the forefront and making purchases in and around, in many cases, the technology departments. So that's why we needed that voice. We had to have that voice in the room. Yeah, okay, you've got uh, also the telecom scenario here where telecom has been selling recurring revenue for years. That's how they were designed. So there was so much that our channel could learn from them in the way they structure their compensation models and the way they go to market. And so the Telecom Advisory Council was a value to us 
in many ways, not only just the convergence of telecom into technology and everything, you know, being uh, audio on the network now, if you will. So we learned so much about that entire industry. We didn't know what a master agent was. You know, we, we didn't realize, you know, the role that carriers and cable companies play and the fact that they have channel programs today and that they are reaching out to our channel players. And then, of course, the Business Apps Advisory Council was something that we're in the process of building. It will not launch until next year in January, February. But that is an, another area where we have this entire new world of application developers that are, you know, there are thousands and thousands of them that are popping up, some of whom really get the proper funding, get the proper launch, the proper go-to-market strategies, have the marketing savvy to get their products out there. And the ones that we're most interested in for this council are going to be those that are kind of the low-hanging fruit, if you will, for our solution providers to pick up on. That being apps that are designed specifically for the line of business and or for particular vertical markets that they're selling into today. So that is why we are trying to keep ahead, trying to make sure that CompTIA is much more than just the IT channel, if the traditional legacy IT channel. That's always going to be there. It's always going to be important. We're still selling tons and tons of products. We still have solution providers and VARs out there that are making a good living doing that. And some of them don't want to change. And you know what? That's totally fine. But as CompTIA, we have to promote where the market is headed, and that's the purpose for bringing in those three new groups, the EUC, the Telecom, and the Business App Council. That's a lot to manage. You've got a lot of people and personalities, I'm, I'm imagining, uh, that you've got to manage. Oh, yeah. Well, and you know, it's funny, we have over 70 executives. Of course, that number will grow now with the addition of the new Business App Council. But you're right, you know, we've got a lot of channel chiefs. We've got a lot of CEOs. We've got a lot of high-level executives that are pretty much A personalities for the most part. Um, but what, what's unique about CompTIA is when we ask people to work with CompTIA in this capacity as volunteer leaders, and by the way, they are all hand-selected. We, um, The advisory councils are more of an invite only um, because we have to make sure we're representing a good cross-section, whereas our communities are open to any of our members to join. Uh, so again, I just want to make that clarification. But, you know, what we do with our councils really, it just kind of serves as the voice of what's happening out there on the street. And, uh, you know, we do our best to have everybody check their egos at the door, check their logo and ego at the door is what we say. Um, and when they come to work for CompTIA, they're really putting forth their best advice and guidance that's going to help everyone, to help the whole industry to rise, you know, and float all boats, if you will. So it's a great group of people um, volunteering outside their busy, busy schedule. So it's it's awesome. What do you get, what what in the last year or so um, would you say has been the the big idea 
out of any of these councils, and I'm not talking about a specific project per se, but something that they know is going on in the industry that they're really nibbling around the edges or pushing very, very hard, um, and that seems to be the one thing that rises to the top of the, of the industry's issues that we all should be very concerned about. Oh, I could tell you right right now, it's the, the helping our solution providers become more business architects and more consultative sellers. Um, the It's the biggest issue, and you know, it's unfortunate because the partners really have it the worst. I mean, if you think about what they are expected to do, uh, not only transitioning a business model, trying to learn how to resell in a whole new way, compensation changes and so forth, but the bottom line is they have to be able to assess their salespeople if they are in the uh, position to move into cloud-based solutions selling, app selling, they have to change the way they go to market and they have to change how they sell. And so that is one of the, the really key areas that, um, you know, we're focused on is trying to help get them the proper training, uh, even if it's something we have to outsource or negotiate discounts with third-party companies. Uh, we're not sure exactly um, how we're going to tackle it, but this is definitely going to be a focus area for us in 2017. Mm. You know, it's it's fascinating as you're talking, and, and you mentioned that so many people are still very active selling product. I think we see sometimes individual vendors that are making a transition from being kind of a product company to more of a services company. Um, I think Apple is going through that a little bit. I think Microsoft has gone through that. Uh, IBM went through that in the past, just to name some really big examples. And honestly, that's kind of what the whole channel is going through now, moving from this product-centric thing to a services thing. And it'll be interesting with your councils to see if the vendors and distributors that might be the ones still generating product they still come at it from their perspective, but then your partner council and maybe the end user council are talking about how they want those products to be stitched together in services and, and especially with the partner council describing how they're doing that and, and really transforming that tail end of, of the channel that's been traditionally about getting the product out there to turning that product into something more valuable by wrapping services around it or by stitching different things together. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of discussion with the Distributor Advisory Council about the need for these marketplaces that are more reflective of SaaS product um, and how they need to go to market different in order to help the solution provider, you know, narrow down their focus on the right products, the products that are going to be the right products for their clients, you know, and they understand that you know, there's a whole different kind of reseller now that are in many cases selling these types of products, you know, marketing consultants and uh, vertical market consultants, you know, we've got agriculture specialists out there. Um, so how do you take all these different things and boil it down? And I think one of the things we're seeing come up more and more is the need for specialization, verticalization. Um, with the solution providers. I mean, mostly, obviously, they're all going to have to do the basics of network management and storage and security, but when it comes to, 
you know, really setting themselves apart and being able to provide value not only to their clients but to the vendor community to demonstrate that they have those skills, they're going to need to focus a little bit more on verticalization, understanding the products that support those verticals, how they need to work with these new suppliers, right, because many of them sell direct and they get a residual or they get a finder's fee or uh, many cases they don't get anything and they just get the the um, integration uh, services and so forth. So you're right. Um, it is changing the way they go to market and the way they run their business. No, yeah, I mean, just to follow up on that, Annette, I'm just wrapping now the annual State of the Channel study, and you're spot on. I and mean, we asked them, you know, what are some of the biggest obstacles and what are, what do you consider uh, your biggest opportunities looking ahead? And, you know, specialization and getting into verticals and learning how to be consulting-oriented are, you know, are, are top of mind for most of these folks. The, the issue I have is while they may be top of mind when they take our surveys, how far down the road are they really? You know, if we talk about this is my priority to become a specialist in this area, well, does that mean it's your priority to do so in the next year? Is it going to take you five years? How long before you can transition? And then what happens to those businesses if it takes too long for them to get to that? By then, the goalposts will have moved to something else, if you know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, the other thing, too, is, there's just a lot being thrown at them, you know? I mean, there's there's ideas that are floating around regarding virtual CIOs. There's, uh, you know, the need to potentially start developing their own apps. There's concerns about their exit strategies and the fact that many of them are getting older and, you know, they got to leave the industry and they don't even have a family member to leave their business to. So now they got to understand, you know, M&A and, you know, just like there's just so much going, uh, you know, to our partner community. And, you know, that's why I think across the board, and I know you guys will probably talk about this on your next uh, segment, but is this whole focus around the millennial and how we need to prepare them to take over our industry and to help our, our channel. And the fact is many of them have no interest in our channel or in legacy IT technologies. You know, they, they're more into the apps, they're more into artificial intelligence and virtual reality and biometrics and all these really cool things. And so one of the things that we also talked about was what it's like to work in the channel and how can we make the channel a little bit more exciting uh, to this new group and, you know, how we can explain that the channel is like a force multiplier for growing uh, any technology company, you know, and so there's, there's some focus on that. There's a focus on outreach to the millennial and to this, this kind of parallel channel of staff. Uh, so it is, it's, uh, it's, it's all over the place. It's all over the place. I feel like with the younger, and I, we see this too. I mean, we, uh, Seth and I were just at uh, an event, Channel Directions Live, um, a few, well, maybe a month ago now. And um, I've used this example, but this, this kid is really bright. And um, there's a kid there named Nick Black. I'll give him a shout out. And um, he is about 20, what do you say, 23, 24, something like that, Seth? Yep. Young, super young. And he's an entrepreneur. He started his own little um, channel company and um, is doing well. He's very, you know, he's a, you know, a really great personality. He's able to explain his business unbelievably well. He is looking for mentors. He sat in a room that is not unlike 
our councils, Annette. So he was the youngest one in the room, and it was a small boardroom, and, you know, I was in there, and I'd say the average age was around upper 40s, middle 50s, that, that range. And so he was in there, and he talked to us a long time about this, this exact issue, about how he's not seeing his generation getting into the channel at all. And he, at one point during this meeting, said somebody asked him, he said, so who are your peers? You know, who do you, who do you talk to in business every day? He said, look, I don't have any peers. He said, if you could find me another 20-something person who was running a channel company today or wanting to run a channel company today, I would be forever grateful just to have that person to talk to. Uh, and that was very telling, um, almost almost, mm -hmm. depre almost depressing in some ways. And I think one way yeah. to get people excited, young people, is um, to go beyond sort of the delivery, your delivery mechanism for the, for, for the industry and talk about the channel as an entrepreneurial type of endeavor. So you're building and running your own business. And I think framed that way, it's more sexy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, for the most part, there's a lot of really cool things uh, that you can do in the channel because you are, especially like, let's say, you know, like my first job in technology coming from the fashion industry was into distribution. And I spent 15 years in that role, in multiple roles in distribution. Um, but what's cool about distribution in particular is you get to see it all. I mean, you get to see all the vendor community. You get to see all the newest technology coming in the door. You get to see uh, the entire partner community and what the engagement that they have and what they need to do. So you're exposed to the entire channel by just simply working for a distributor. Um, another role are roles like CompTIA or other not-for-profits like uh, the Consumer uh, Technology Association. You know, um, these are all different organizations that for millennials are more exciting, you know, because they don't have to commit to one company. Um, you mentioned this young man sitting in the meeting. My son Kyle, who happens to be 23, uh, joined us at ChannelCon and sat in on some of my council meetings. It was interesting because, you know, he was just an observer sitting in the back of the room, um, and they turned to him, the advisory council, and asked him what his thoughts were about how they should attract millennials. Um, and so, you know, he's like, look, we want to know that our work is more important, that it's going to help solve something big. You know, we we have big ambitions. and. We want to help the human race, and we want to make life better for people, and that's how they think. So it's, it's a definite disconnect, and we have to do a better job, especially CompTIA, in helping to bridge that gap, and I think we are. I think we're doing a, a really good job with our future leaders community, uh, our AWIT program, bringing in these these ancillary groups that don't necessarily see technology, uh, at least in the IT industry, as something that is of interest to them. Uh, more consumer-based technology seems to be where the millennials want to focus. But, um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on. I, I would also say, um, you know, the Vendor Advisory Council, um, you know, they want to focus on helping partners have a better story, too, when it comes to talking about security threats and 
uh, enablement and, you know, the right products. Like, they need more of a dialogue. They need more of a pitch. And so our VAC, believe it or not, um, is very much wanting to help the solution providers um, really focus on how they go to market with their security pitch. You know, like they're, they're thinking either doing a video on a day in the life of a customer who's had a security breach or like a day in the life of a secure environment, like a video of a live crypto locker attack, you know, a VR edition type thing. So we're trying to do things in a way that attracts uh, some of these younger voices and, and show them that, hey, we're pretty cool too. Well, Annette, uh, definitely sounds like you've got a lot on your plate. All of us here are, are gearing up for 2017, and I know that's what you guys were uh, just in Kansas City for. So, thanks for joining us. Any any last thoughts as we uh, as we wrap up here and and start thinking about what we're gonna do in the future at CompTIA? Well, I will say this: uh, CompTIA is definitely changing. I think we are going to see CompTIA do a massive outreach into these ancillary channels. I think you're going to see um, membership change slightly. I think you're going to see the launch of our new professional society, which will include our over 2 million alumni from our certifications. So you're going to see CompTIA open up wider than just the IT channel. Uh, you're going to see us change to become more of a technology association. And so I'm really excited about what the future holds for all of us and uh, for all of you out there. Um, you know, look at CompTIA's resources, go to our website, check out the great research that both Carolyn and Seth do. And there's a lot of guidance there, a lot of help for you and your business. So thank you again for having me. I really enjoyed it and I uh, hope you all have a great weekend. You too, Annette. It was great having you. Um, we'll have you back for sure. You're a great guest. All right. Thanks again. Bye now. Thanks, Annette. So, Carolyn, Annette mentioned that one of the big topics they've been looking at is millennials or new generations coming in, and they specifically are looking at the IT channel and how to get uh, these newer generations interested in some of the work of delivering IT. But the IT channel isn't the only one that's kind of wrestling with this. We've done some research into different generations. You've led some, I've led some, and, and we've seen some pretty interesting things out there as different generations are coming together in the workforce and, and trying to gel inside a company. Yeah, no, we certainly have. Um, I think um, there are misconceptions and there's stereotypes, and then there are stereotypes that are actually real out there, but I think the takeaway from a lot of the research that we've done is if you are a manager or running a company today and you're going to be, I mean, the, the fact is, and you can look at the, the labor statistic government data on this, is that the predominance of the baby boomers being the, the majority of adults in the workforce today is going to, by 2020, completely turn on its ear. And, and the, the, the majority of today's workers are going to be the age group between 18 and 35 years old. Um, so it's going to be millennials who will be you know, running the show. They may not be managers at that point, but we're talking about a very seismic generational shift within the workplace. And so I think, what does that mean? 
for a manager today, a business owner today who's looking at the ways to best recruit these types of younger employees, what what's important to them, and then how to how to build a work environment that is conducive to uh, the types of things that they respond to, which can in many cases be very different to what the older generation's workers responded to. Definitely. I mean, I think that's another arrow in the quiver for technology in general, that one of the things that technology can do for a company is make it attractive to um, people that are looking at it. And that could be from any generation, but it it becomes, I think, more pronounced with younger generations. And and as I've looked at some of the the stereotypes and and the things that are or not true, to me, it seems like the big battle here is between companies maybe saying, well, this is the way it's always been, and the newer generations saying, well, this is the way we want it to be. And and I don't think that that dynamic is is very different from what's happened in other generations. I think maybe the scale of it is a little bit different. And I think that social media has, has probably played a, a very strong part here in younger people coming into the workforce and, and having a sense of um, I don't want to say entitlement, but just having a sense of maybe independence and, and a sense of being very comfortable knowing exactly what they want. And I think social media has also really opened their eyes to what's going on in the world. And Annette mentioned that you know, her son said, we really want to be making an impact here, not just you know, creating a widget. Um, and, and so I think that it will be really interesting to see how those two mindsets come together. And the younger generation inevitably is going to figure out well, this is the way that business works, and there are some things here that have to happen. But at the same time, I think that they will will change uh, mindsets too, um, and and there will be kind of this this slow evolution over time of what a business is and and what it's trying to accomplish. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that the younger generation are really going to push the results oriented type of work. Um, it's not about clock punching and, you know, it depends on your job, but in a knowledge worker environment, it's really about what their end results are with the projects that they work on or whatever they happen to be doing. And it's less important as to where they do that work, uh, what hours they do that work and in what sort of ways they do that work. But what I found interesting is for all of that, you're thinking, okay, all the millennials want to work at home 24-7. They want to work at midnight and not be, you know, have take calls at 9 in the morning, et cetera. What we found in our research we did a couple of years ago is that's not actually true. There's a lot more flexibility within those um, young minds in terms of what they think work structure should look like. And what we found is that if you ask millennials, if given the chance, would you telecommute? every day, you know, five days a week. That's just how you, you worked. And most of them, the majority said, no, they would love, they definitely want the home hours or wherever sitting on a beach hours, whatever they are, but they'd like to be in the office a couple days a week for FaceTime. And they think that that's important. It's a, it encourages them and makes sure that they're, you know, they're moving the needle forward and that their managers, you know, appreciate them and that they're collaborating with their peers. So I think that's an encouraging sign that, that, you know, this sense of entitlement, you know, that's a big headline that we read all the time about this group. But I think that perhaps it's not quite as pronounced as, as those headlines tend to make it. And I think you do see a group of people, younger people entering the workforce that are interested in having collaborative relationships with generations above and below them who will be coming into the workforce as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, 
I think that what we've seen in the research uh, has, has helped us be a little more cautionary because I think a lot of these stereotypes are being generated by maybe social media, but maybe the traditional media as well. That they're, they're great headlines, you know, they, they get page views. And so these things tend to perpetuate. And every once in a while you get this sense of, I don't know that that's really how a lot of these people feel, or I don't know that that's exactly how they're working. And, and the truth may be a little bit closer to kind of this harmonious existence uh, than some places would have you believe. So it's a good reminder for us as we uh, move forward with this, because I think it will continue to be a big topic because we're, we're almost at the end of talking about millennials and we're almost to the next one. Um, and yeah, and, my kids, my kids are getting into it now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Now, I've got a college freshman, so, you know, she's the next generation that we'll be talking about. And I don't know what little tagline we're going to put for her, for her generation, or if they probably already come up with it, I'm sure. It's they there. probably came up with their own. They're, they're probably like, this is what we'd <laughs> like you to call us. So, <laughs> so true. So true. <laughs> All righty. So I think we're wrapping for the day here, correct? Yep. I think we've had a good conversation. It was good to talk to Annette and uh, really exciting to hear what she's got going on. And that'll really kind of inform the way that we do our research and the things that CompTIA thinks about over the next year or so. Oh, it certainly will. So it'll be an interesting 2017 to look forward to. Yep. You have a great weekend, my friend. All right. You too.